There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. It's pumped into homes across the district, heating our stovetops and living rooms. Natural gas. It's usually invisible to the eyes, but we see it as a shimmering blue flame when lit. And within that flame is methane, a clump of carbon and four hydrogens. And recently, the compound has come under fire. Last year, protesters took over the Wilson Building, demanding that the D.C. Council block Washington Gas, our utility, from installing miles of natural gas pipelines into the district. Extinction Rebellion D.C. led the charge, and it's a group known well for their civil disobedience and willingness to be arrested for environmental causes. Good morning, I'm Bruce Allen. And I'm Joan Jones. And our stories this morning, climate activists are causing that traffic jam in downtown D.C., the one you've been hearing about here. It began about 8 o'clock this morning when protesters locked themselves to a large pink boat at the intersection of New York Avenue and 4th Street. And this year, the group is promising, quote, spicy action for Earth Day. So I met up with an organizer from Extinction Rebellion D.C., Riley Polka, at a park bench in Rock Creek Park, to figure out why this group opposes natural gas and what they're willing to do to stop it. Riley, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. You are with Extinction Rebellion. You know, many people know this organization. It's a national organization, but we here in the D.C. region know you all for, you know, civil disobedience, closing down roads, sometimes parking a boat in the middle of K Street, um, but also really pushing for environmentalism here in this area. So can you remind us all what Extinction Rebellion really is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I do want to clarify one thing. Thank you so much for bringing all that up, Luke. We are pushing for environmentalism, but we're pushing for people's rights as well. I think, you know, environmentalism can sometimes be just the environment. And yes, we do care about the earth. We do care about the planet, but we also care about climate justice. We care about prioritizing the most vulnerable people in this crisis um, and ensuring that we have a just system. So we're looking to change business as usual is sort of our end goal um, Mm. because business as usual is killing us. So Extinction Rebellion is a global movement that was founded in the UK, uh, I believe in like 2018. And we're a nonviolent direct action organization. So we do things like you said, dropping boats in the street, um, (laughs) which I think we've done a few times. Um, I'm sorry if you've gotten stuck in traffic before that, but thank you very much for your patience while we do, because it does really help. It gets attention to the issue at hand. Um, And we're known for our vibrant colors and our messaging and and doing really creative artsy things. But essentially we have four demands in the US, XRDC, Extinction Rebellion DC, we're our own chapter, and we're focused on issues here in DC. So we look to get climate justice. We're looking for our governments and institutions to act now, to tell the truth, to implement a citizens assembly, um, a form of a direct democracy where you are hearing from the people most affected by the crisis, for the solutions that they need, not solutions that are being made by very, very rich people in our mm. government who are disconnected from those people who have very real needs. And we're looking for climate justice. So that's our goal. 
And before we get into all those specific demands and goals, let's really situate this crisis that you mentioned. You know, what's at stake and why does it really matter? I think a lot of people go through their lives, you know, I just want to get to work, I want to come home, I want to just, you know, survive out here. Why do we need to change? We need to change because everything is at stake. Our futures are at stake. I think the crisis feels very far removed because the world is so big and it seems like something that's happening to other people over there and not to you. But if you are just thinking about your commute to work, think about your commute to work in extreme weather events that are going to happen more and more rapidly. Look at the number of tornadoes we've already had this year that's caused these extreme weather events are caused by the climate crisis, which are caused by fossil fuel corporations and imperialism and exploitative systems exploiting resources and using fossil fuels and making us think that we have to rely on them to live. We don't. There are other ways to live and have a green, just future. So we're looking at extreme weather events. We're looking at toxic air. We're looking at not being able to leave the house. Look at how hot it gets in the summer. Temperatures are rapidly rising and we need to cut emissions immediately. We need to act now and we need to tell the truth about the full extent of the crisis um, in order for people to feel empowered to act now and stop business as usual. Mm. Moving on to a very key issue that Extinction Rebellion in D.C. has focused on and is focusing on is methane gas. You know, I'm no chemist. So, you know, tell us, you know, what methane gas kind of is, what it means and what Extinction Rebellion really wants to do here. So I'm no chemist either, but (laughs) I am incredibly passionate. Um, I think there's a term citizen scientist. So please, anybody listening, take it with a grain of salt. So methane is, is a toxic gas that is pumped into our homes by Washington Gas, our local utility company who loves pumping toxic gases into our homes. And currently, they're putting $4.5 billion into revitalizing their methane infrastructure system in the city in order to continue pumping those gases into our homes. So I know that that's something that we've relied on for a long time, and it seems like something that makes a lot of sense, except that not only does methane, which it's methane's one of the gases in natural gas, Mm. um, it's a huge health risk. Children with asthma are way more likely to have increased asthma. Children without are much more likely to get asthma from being exposed to it. It leaks from our stoves when our stoves are off. And here's the thing with methane is that it warms the atmosphere 80 times faster than carbon dioxide does. Hmm. So carbon dioxide has a longer life in our atmosphere than methane does, but methane has a shorter life and a more rapidly heating life. And one of the byproducts of methane in our atmosphere, so when it leaks out of our stove, which a lot of the gas that we burn in our homes actually leaks out of our homes. It does not get burnt. It oxidizes. And when it oxidizes, it creates ozone, which we're all familiar with. Uh, We went through that big crisis in the early 2000s. But instead of ozone being up in the upper layer of our atmosphere, the ozone that methane creates stays down in, I believe it's called the troposphere, and that's what we walk around in. Mm. So when you're living in a city like D.C., which has a lot of concrete, a lot of areas of the city do not have tree cover and have instead cement. You get what's called heat islands, where when the sun bounces off of the cement, it increases the heat there. It's much hotter in those areas than it is in areas with tree cover. Of course, you know, if you look, there's usually a poverty disparity in the areas that have tree cover and the ones that do not. When you create ozone in the lower troposphere, that traps more heat in. And so you're looking at summers of, of not being able to walk around Columbia Heights because that's a, right. that's a heat island over there. If you are an unhoused person, if you're somebody who is living on the streets and you don't and you have to sleep out there or stay out there all day, you are at increased risk for being exposed to hazardous chemicals that like are in our atmosphere and of suffering heat stroke. It's, it's a huge crisis. 
And after the break, organizer with Extinction Rebellion DC, Riley Polka, will tell us what her alternative is to natural gas. So Washington Gas is in the process of project pipes, is what's called a 13-mile pipeline, 3,000 service lines, and it's a total investment they've estimated as a, at $110 million. They say that, you know, we just want to get gas to people's houses so they can cook. You know, very basic. It's, it's you know, logical. It makes sense. It's effective. And they even sometimes call it clean, you know, because it's natural gas, which kind of natural gas, it seems natural, you know. Um, what, what do you say to those sorts of kind of objections to your objections? There is nothing clean about natural gas. It's, it's a marketing term created by people who are profiting off of us getting sick and off of the earth getting sick as well. In addition, Project Pipes does not meet uh, D.C. City Council's goals to be climate neutral by the 2040s, nor does it meet the city's goals to have our emissions of our 2006 levels. So not just having the emissions we're creating now, but going to the levels that we were emitting in 2006, which was less, and going 50% of that by the 2030s, um, which was a goal that Mariel Bowser, I think she signed on to that bill in 2018, I mm. want to say. And so with Washington Gas putting all this money into Project Pipes, they're locking us into 40 more years of warming in the city. And the climate crisis, the, while the planet is warming, if you're emitting emissions, if you're burning fossil fuels in a certain place, it's going to warm those areas as well. So we're getting concentrated warming because of Washington Gas and because of greed, because there's money coming out of this. Because even though Washington Gas makes so much money and they're putting $4.5 billion into revitalizing the methane infrastructure and making us sick off of it, they're going to they're raising rates for ratepayers. So they're putting that onus on the taxpayer. It's going to be we're going to be paying more money to be more at risk of getting sick and to be more at risk of not being able to leave our house in the summer, of having warm winters, of killing our crops because of those warm winters, all because Washington gas is greedy. And so what's the alternative? I think that's a big discussion sometimes people have. You hear that on Capitol Hill. You know, you hear that everywhere. Okay, methane is not good. Greenhouse gases are not good. But what's the alternative? How do we cook our food, heat our homes? You know, where can lawmakers and citizens look towards for an alternate option, clean option? So I'll say a couple things here. I'll preface by saying that XRDC, we are not proposing solutions. That is not our responsibility and not in the sense that we don't care because we do care, but because we believe in citizens assemblies, also called a people's assembly. It doesn't mean you need to be a citizen of anywhere to make the rules, just that you are you're, you're a citizen of Earth. You're here. You're part of the community. You're being affected by these issues, by these policies. And it's up to you what those solutions look like. And maybe you're saying, well, I want to keep my gas stove. Ultimately, it's not about an individual gas stove. Ultimately, it's about the billionaires who are deciding that they want to put profit over planet and over people. But I think this, while the solutions do need to come for the people, with this one campaign that we are running, we are just saying, look, electrify the city. There are already plans to do so. We can do it. It's, it's something that D.C. City Council has been talking about. Just stop using fossil fuels and electrify the grid. Fix the leaks, because currently there are over, I believe, 3,000 active leaks, methane leaks, in the city. Washington Gas is responsible for those leaks. 
In 2021, I believe 70%. So what is that? That's like two thirds, like a huge majority of those leaks were, were potentially volatile. And methane gas is a very dangerous gas in high quantities. It can explode. Look at the apartment building in Silver Spring, I believe, seven years ago that killed many people because of methane gas, because of, of oversight. We have all these leaks currently happening. And so, yes, do fix those leaks and fix those leaks in the places where they are most prominent, which are in the underfunded city parts of the city. So in the richer parts of the city, which are also typically whiter areas of the city, those leaks get attended to really quickly. But if you are in a black neighborhood, if you are in a neighborhood with higher rates of poverty, if you are in a neighborhood with more people of color, those leaks do not get attended to because Washington Gas isn't being held accountable. Um, so fix those leaks. Stop putting people in danger. Stop putting people's lives in danger. Stop letting methane leak into the atmosphere because they do not care. And then stop the project and electrify the city. Put that money into electrifying the city and helping us reduce our emissions. What are you all prepared to do? You all have you know, demands. And as we all know, you all have, you know, uh, protested, um, done acts of civil disobedience. You know, what is this organization willing to do in order to get these demands met? Quite a few things. Um, prefacing, of course, that we are a nonviolent movement. But throughout history, nonviolent civil disobedience has been shown time and time again to be the most effective way to get social systemic change. And just to clarify as well that, yes, we do drop boats in front of Washington Gas Headquarters and um, we did like a vegan street party that day. We do stop traffic. We do drop banners. We dropped like a, a 20 foot banner off of the Wilson Building downtown last year. But we've also written letters to council. We've tried. We've gone to council building to meet with people. We have we have disrupted meetings there because they will not listen because there is financial gain for them to let this pass. But ultimately... We do have people who are willing to risk arrest in order to get this. Because the media will not cover it. The media will not cover the climate crisis. I mean, you are covering the climate crisis, and I appreciate that. But in general, it's not something you hear about. Um, when you watch a documentary on TV about traveling the world, they don't talk about how most of that is disappearing rapidly and how much pollution there is um, because there's benefit for the people producing that not to. So we're, we're telling the media to tell the truth. And one of the ways you can do that is by getting attention to the issue by getting arrested. Mm. And is it all sometimes just like stressful, like the impending doom of it all? I, I feel like sometimes it, it feels hopeless. You know, are, are you hopeful? If you're listening and you think you've lost, um, you're not because you're listening to this. And that's awesome. That's when I, when I get hopeless, I stop listening to the news. Um, and then I realize that I need to listen to the news again. So I turn it back on and I find my <laughs> hope again. Um, but... I, I try to center myself in hope, but it's called active hope. So I don't just sit around thinking, oh, somebody else is doing something about it. I, I think that, but then I also go out and do as much as I can. It's important to take care of ourselves as well. If you find yourself, you need to just sit at home and think, I hope someone's doing something about it. Take care of yourself. But I was having a great conversation with some other organizers yesterday who were talking about instead of centering ourselves in despair, instead of centering ourselves in, in doomism, centering ourselves in joy, looking at the communities that we're surrounded with, looking at this beautiful plant that we have to protect, these beautiful communities that are, are fighting for our rights and for their rights. There's so much joy in that. And so that's a really great thing. Looking to all the other people in community, if you do feel hopeless, I urge you to join anybody in the environmental justice community in D.C. because you will find people who feel just like you. And when I did that, it helped so much with my anxiety, so much with my despair. Um, and even if the future is going to be hard, I know that we're resilient. So Earth Day is coming up just a few days away, depending on when you listen to this show. But what can people look forward to on Earth Day? 
So there's going to be marches, there's going to be rallies, there's going to be some spicy actions. People are going to be in the streets demanding our rights, and we invite you to join us. You may see, I've been seeing a lot of media on my social media recently saying that for Earth Day, go go and do a park cleanup, or go and learn to make some crafts for Earth Day or whatever. And those are really, really fun. Those are great ways, and I am so appreciative of anybody doing that. But if you have a little bit of time and energy, come and join us. Come join the coalition on Earth Day. You can find out more at earthdaydc.org, and you can sign up there. You can also find more, I believe, if you go to xrdc.org, go to the events page. You'll probably find some information there. Feel free to reach out to us. We can get you involved. Um, And if you're listening to this after Earth Day, you can still get involved with these organizations. We are constantly demanding our rights. We're doing everything we can to secure any sort of future for us, um, and we need all the help we can. So everybody's invited regardless of political views even. Um, We are not a political organization. We are a human organization and we are fighting for climate justice. This is something that concerns all of us. Um, There is nobody who does not fit into the movement. It's a very diverse coalition. Riley, thanks so much for coming on the show. And Riley and I are sitting in Rock Creek Park. It's a great place to kind of hang out on the earth and appreciate this earth. Riley, thanks again. Luke, thank you so much for having me. And before we go, Washington Gas didn't want to be interviewed for this episode, but they did send me a statement that says, in part, Washington Gas supports the District of Columbia's goals to reduce greenhouse emissions, adding, quote, our focus remains to provide essential energy in an affordable manner to the people, businesses, and institutions that call the District of Columbia home. I also reached out to D.C. Councilmember Charles Allen. He's the chair of the Committee on Transportation and the Environment. While he didn't comment on whether the D.C. Council would do anything to slow down or block Washington Gas's project pipes, there is a bill making its way through the council that would speed up the ability for D.C. residents to switch their stoves and heaters from being powered by gas and fossil fuels to being powered by electricity. That bill has a public hearing set for May 9th. And that'll do it for us today here on the DMV Download Podcast. Thanks so much for listening and let us know how we're doing on your favorite podcast platform. Give us some stars and write a review. This show is brought to you by WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, and 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland. Online at WTOP.com and of course on the WTOP News app. Have a great week. We'll talk Wednesday.